Hello again, and welcome to the Monroe Community Players Podcast featuring the Green Room Groupies. I'm your de facto host, David Warren. Looking around the green room I see today... Brian Burchette Ross. Robert Yeoman. Ron Roberts. And welcome back, everybody. We're glad that you're here. As you know, this is a podcast where we talk about the art and business of theater with an emphasis on community and local theater, which we hope you are all supporting. So, without further ado, after we've come down from our last unfilled episode, we're getting back to some serious stuff this time. Yeah, Ron's looking at me again already. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of serious Oops, about that professional now? thing? Oh, it ain't see through the glass. <laughs> one one of the things that I, I thought maybe a little more fun than we usually have on this thing, because as you know, we're we're very staid, we're very quiet, we're very demure. Um, and people often wonder how we maintain the energy even just to get through a, a podcast because you know we sound like we're going to fall asleep at any moment. <laughs> but the reality is, Adnoids. we things that excite us may not ex- and excites not a good word these days, but <laughs> things that make us no that's not a good word either. <laughs> <laughs> things that interest us. May not interest everybody, but we go on the presumption that it does because, you know, here we are with pod- podcasts shouting into hopefully not the void, but to you, our listeners. And I, I did use plural that time because I do know we have at least two. Hmm. Um, but I was thinking we could talk today with, we'll start with character development. Um, hmm. We spent, spent our last episode um, talking about backstage crew and things like that. But one of the things I don't think we've really gone into in depth yet is in the actor's role of how they develop a character. Now, some actors I know, Bob, you you think, um, I, I think you have expressed in the past that you don't really feel the full character until you're into costume. Correct. Um, or I uh, do a, uh, a, a, a drawing or illustration of the character. Yeah. I pretend that I'm a method actor, so I like to look for the character's emotions and, and uh, motivation. Um, uh, Ron, I, I don't know how you do it. I think you get up there, you say the lines, and they come out very convincingly, so I know you have a process. And Brian... <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to the he setup. Just, he just ruined it. <laughs> uh, and Brian. Yes, there, there's Brian. So <laughs> He flew too close to the sun. <laughs> so... So, but so taking my script and going home. Just, <laughs> no, I've seen you do that. <laughs> it's funny because it's, it's true. true. <laughs> well, well, I would hope you take your script and go home because you need to learn the lines. Yes, right? I did. Right? right? Yeah. Don't. Whoa! Don't. There we go. I, you know, I have worked with this man, gosh, now for the number of years, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and and gosh, I don't know what to say. We have a good chemistry, I think, on stage. Um, you know, and I've worked with Bob my whole, almost my whole life, um, one way or another on stage. And Ron, <laughs> I tried it again and it didn't work. Ron is making for the door. And, and I've again. seen Ron on stage. Um, but, <laughs> but honestly, but, I, think, but I, I do respect I think all of you as, as, as actors. Um, we all have good chemistry. We've all been on stage with each other. I think there's a, there's definite chemistry with and, and, with all of us. I guess where I'm going with absolutely. this topic today is I think the chemistry with the other actors helps develop the characters. Well. Oh, absolutely. Um, but but let's let's start with the basics. Where where do we start? Who wants to go first? You have just uh, been handed a script. You've been you've, you've you got the part. What do you do first? Ask the director. Sh- shave my head. <laughs> well, I would say first thing. Ask the director. one out of two shows. I do that. <laughs> Ask the director. <clears throat> because it's got to be what they're thinking. And the easiest way, don't play guessing games, just go up to the director and went, how do you see this character? If, they will, if they've done their homework, they know exactly. Your little orphan nanny and daddy Warbucks is over there telling you that you can't have Christmas. Okay. Daddy would never say that, by the way. It would... <laughs> So that's I was that's weird. where I would that's where I would start with Oliver me, Warbucks with, would never say that. It's better. As I was saying, I would start with the director, who it should be knowledgeable of the entire script and how they see your characterization, even if it is simply a pencil script 
and you shall provide the palette of colors that will occupy that character. Don't you think that's also partly the director's responsibility, though, at that first read-through to say, here's what I'm looking at, and here's what I, I, I see for, tryouts. for the characters? Right. Yep. Oh, should start right at tryouts. Right at tryouts. That's true. That's true. I'll give you that. Hmm. That's interesting. Yes, because, well, again, how the director may have given you a note or two during tryouts. Mm-hmm. Well, could you read it this way? Could you read it that way? That kind of stuff. Could you read it? The, the director's trying to see if you fit the vision that they have in their heads. Okay. You don't think so? I, I'm not disagreeing with you. That's, that's I just wish I would have done that last week at auditions. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... No, you just started your audition process for what was that show again? Twilight of the Golds. Yes. When's that coming up? That comes out in the two weeks, two middle weeks of January at the Monroe Mall. 2022. 2022, yes. Those listening in the far future. Yes. And I want to tell you, I already have a brilliant cast. I can't wait to meet some of them. Um, (laughs) But uh, I think. I think, yes, you're, you are right. It does start with audition. I think uh, so a lot of times, though, with community theaters, you already know a lot of the people that are that are coming to audition, and you know, even if you're not hearing what, because I definitely had an actor that auditioned for my show, and I went, it's not exactly what I'm looking for, but I know that this person's going to pull it off when I say try it this way. So, mm-hmm. as an actor working with directors can be a challenge it can Um, i also think that it's important from an actor standpoint that they are given that i don't want to say freedom but the ability to express their take on a character exactly because if you go into the director says okay i want this well what if somebody goes up there and has a different interpretation and absolutely blows that director away Mm -hmm. um now i have worked with a couple of different groups where it's, there's been no direction given on as far as your character and you're asked to develop it. Then about two, three weeks in, it, everything stops and we were given an assignment to create a backstory for the character. Uh-huh. And I will tell you, though, that once that happened, it, and it, it, so for example, it was Cuckoo's Nest was the show. So there's a lot of different things you could go to. You could go to the book by Ken Casey, you could go to the movie, um, or you could you know, kind of combine them all. And what we were able to do is to kind of create a motivation as to why your character behaved the way it did. And for me, it it really helped me to dive into Cheswick, who's not that big of a character in the movie. However, in the book, he's pretty pretty integral character. And in the, in the stage show, it was a fairly decent part. Um, and it made me find some things to help motivation. It actually kind of made me look at myself and say, holy cow, that's me. I know. It's kind of crazy to think we all find personal pieces of ourselves and kind of magnify that into a character. But that's really what, what I do is um, if I'm whatever character I'm playing, try to relate that person to reactions or things I've gone through in my life. Um, Father Flynn, for example, I'm not a priest. I have one, played one on stage, however. <laughs> um, you know, I was able to draw on some personal experiences to find emotions that I didn't think I could really kind of find um but that's really to me my method so to speak is just to find personal uh experiences that i've had and how i can tie those in mm-hmm. and and that's what i think i refer to when i call the method is how do i relate to this character mm-hmm. having said that i want to go back a beat or two for the <laughs> listeners just so they understand that as brian was making his, his comment about actors not giving him what he needed for the show he's doing i i have been fortunate to be cast in the show by brian um so that was my little dig with the uh <laughs> some actors can, directors can be a challenge but 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 so to use my experience so first thing i'm doing obviously developing a character and i'm surprised we haven't really said it, is i'm reading the script yeah because i feel that if you don't understand how your character interacts with other characters in the script Absolutely. or the totality of where the play is going and how you as a character fulfill that I, I think that's where you got to start. But are there, in my opinion, are there actors that go into auditions? I don't think I've ever gone into an audition and not known at least the story, the characters, and 
probably most of the script. I mean, I mean, I kind of go out of my way to find a script to read before mm-hmm. I audition. So, which I think you got to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I know I know plenty of actors just walk in and say, "Well, I needed to do something. It's a new play. Sure, I'll try out what parts you got for me." Really? Yeah, I've yeah. seen it time and time again. Wow. I've been in auditions where the person said, "Hey, I wanted to read this." Basically, the readings had gone on. and says, I, I want to read for this other part. And it's like, and he was, you know, clearly an older gentleman, and it was to be the young newlywed part. It's like, well, clearly he hadn't read the script because he was not physically close to what, what the piece right. called for. Sometimes mental images <laughs> override common sense. Like, again, with auditioning, a lot of times mm. we have the high school musical effect. Where they, they basically mimic or ape the characters they've seen on TV, or in the movie, or, or in the movie, yeah. or another source material. Yeah. And so they don't bother looking at the script or the lines or the or the source book because they saw the movie. They know how it goes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be that because I I am blonde and I am. 106 pounds and well gosh darn it people just like me and then turns out the role is actually for a 65 year old matron but she has all the great songs Mm -hmm. they just sometimes there's a huge disconnect well Mm -hmm. and that probably is don't you think one of the hardest things for an actor to come to to grips with is here's the reality of what i actually look like Mm -hmm. and can do yeah um, I don't think I've ever fessed up to that. <laughs> I wouldn't try out for half the shows I've tried out for. If I, <laughs> There's if a, I had an accurate picture of what I looked like on stage. There is the power of, well, you showed up. You're a man. You get the part. Yeah. Mm. That's but, but, almost any theater group. But, and, and going back to what you said, we've also seen those 60-some-year-old women who come into a musical saying, I'm, yep, I'm going to be Maria because I still got it. Hang on, let me get up here. Okay. And then you have to put that mirror in front of them and go, no. You can lie to yourself. You can lie to your husband. You can't lie to the tape measure. (laughs) Ron, is that a loss for words? (laughs) You've never heard that one? Oh, I I have. I've never heard that. Yeah, but uh, just the mind went, my mind went other places. But anyways. (laughs) Oh. Uh, now you just drug us all down to that level. Oh no! <laughs> and edit. Um, but Char- I, characterization. I, sometimes I, I I do think though the source material can be problematic because if like I have also in shows I've been where I've been told don't don't watch the movie or don't read the book, and I do think that 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 is helpful because again, you know, Cary Grant was a great actor. I'm no Cary Grant, and I don't ever want to pretend to be one. So why would I want to watch an arsenical old place so I could just be just like him on stage? Now, there are bits and pieces of performances that I would like you know, take from. But I think if you do just read the book or watch the movie or, or do whatever, and you just try to do that again, there's a reason that they're in, th- in movies and you're not. So it, it can be a good thing to do, but also I think sometimes if you pitch and hold yourself into, okay, well, I've got to do it this way because that's who, you know, that's how Philip Seymour Hoffman did it or that's how whoever did it. Mm, no, not necessarily. Well, and, and I tend not to be one that looks at the original source material when I'm developing a character, partly because, and maybe it's because, uh, again, as I've said before, I fancy myself something of a playwright. To me, all we know about the character is what's in the script. Mm-hmm. And everything else is supposition. Yep. Um, so, so I'm not, a, I think both Bob and I groaned when you said, you know, we had to do the character bios and backgrounds. It's like, it's an interesting exercise. Great if you're an English major, but I'm not sure it's valid when you're developing a character when what you really know is what's put on that printed page and the words you say. Um, you know, because I've seen actors that don't quite get that exercise. They don't use the words. They suddenly just start creating this whole fantasy life for their character that doesn't relate to the words they end up saying on the stage. Yes, I had, and that—that that I think is the danger of it. One part we had, um, it was during Harvey, and the director asked us to write bios of our characters, which is fine. I moaned and groaned, but did it. 
Um, now, I, everybody knows the story of Harvey, where it's basically Elwood P. Dodd is a lovable alcoholic who sees a giant rabbit, a puka. Well, in the play, there is my wife and her mother that we all interact with each other. The mother in the show decided to write out an entire 10-page manuscript of the history of the pukas and how it was the daughter, her daughter's duty to save me from this evil puka and just went on for 10 pages. And it, Well, now you've got to do it like that. You have to lisp, and you have to do it. This is your story. And it's like, okay, it's for your own information, your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. You don't apply it to other actors, or at least you don't apply it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, that was another one of the foibles where they think, well, I wrote it, therefore it matches, therefore we have to do it this way. I'm like, no, no. It's back to what's in the script. What's in the script, what the director sees. Although I do like um, what Ron said uh, about, uh, got it right, about um, uh, you've got to give the actors a chance to find themselves and and find the the part as well. In uh, the show that I'm uh, beginning to direct now, Twilight of the Golds in January, um, Ron has... uh, been gracious enough to accept the role of uh, Rob. And when him and I talked about this role, when, when he first read the script, I directed the show before, and Rob to me is nothing but a joke. When I first read it 18 years ago, I'm like, Rob's the jerk. Rob's the... the and this man pointed out and said, yeah, he kind of is, but... Look at some of the stuff he's saying and tell me if that isn't true about how he feels about his in-laws. And the more I, and when I went back and read that again, I went, damn, I missed that. How did I miss that? So let your actors explore and they're going to find things that even the most seasoned director, and I am not, I'm not saying I am, I'm definitely not, but they're going to find things that even the most seasoned director may not have, have thought about. Well, and that's the beauty of theater. It's a collaborative process. Absolutely. Unlike some of the other visual arts, uh, movies are very much a director-driven process, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, or I understand <laughs> that is the case. I haven't actually made a movie. But, but you know, in the theater, the script rules, but it's the actors, the directors, it's everybody discovering it together. Absolutely. Absolutely. The director is that guide, not the god. Yeah. And I do think I go more with with your your uh, the method how the method uh, approach of how does this where 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 can I find something that I can relate to in this as well? And, and to me, and and like I say, I, I know other people even at this table have other methods. What's on the outside of the character doesn't matter. It's what comes from the inside because clothing, for example, to me doesn't make the character. Clothing should be a result of the character. So a co- good costumer, for example, should know that a character, for example, might never wear a cape because that's not part of I know, Bob, you're, you're a gas. Wow, we're all just hitting below the belt today, aren't we? Well, no, <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying, but there are some characters who may be that flamboyant. Sure. Um, can to, they pull to it To use off? it in the, in, can, they can pull it off. Um, flamboyant in the classical sense, not in the perhaps modern terminology. You can edit that out too. <laughs> but but in the sense that, you know, it's, it's you know, uh, clutch my pearls. There's certain, yeah, clutch your pearls, <laughs> which he has done in many a show. Um, but do you, the Tuna series. Yes, I know. Yes, okay. Um, what did you think I was talking about? <laughs> um, but, but that's the whole point is, is you know, it, uh, being collaborative art. It all comes together to form that character. So, mm-hmm. so I'm going to back off a little on saying the costume doesn't make the character, but the costume should contribute to the character. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I will say that putting that collar on made a huge difference. Sure. Um, you know, in the role of Father Flynn, obviously, you got to be a priest to get to wear the collar. But once I had that on, it definitely, to Bob's point, kind of really felt like it all kind of came together. I'm like, all right, I am a priest. I need to start thinking along those lines. So. And I think we can all agree, as we've all done this on stage, 
no matter how much you practice in rehearsals when you're about to go into drag, it never really clicks until you get the dress on or the pantsuit. At least the breast. The heels, too. <laughs> the, whatever. Um, the bird yeah. seat has to shuffle just right. <laughs> but, Except now I've got my own, so. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a joke about me being fat. It's not about anything else, but. This is why we should video these. <laughs> oh, that just hurts. Um, yeah. But you're right when, when doing something like that that is so out of character. Yeah. Um, when we did Lion in the Winter, or not, yeah, it was Lion in the Winter. Um, Ron and I were both in that show. Oh, and sorry, we've learned that Ron, unfortunately, has to step away for a little bit. He's getting into the MCP helicopter, and, and there's there's something there's they're throwing something from the helicopter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> as God as my witness, <laughs> I thought uh, turkeys fly. could fly. We, we will see you next episode, Ron. Yes, we'll sir. see. Thank you for for joining us. Oh, thank thanks, you. bud. It's door closing. Door, door closing. We will edit that out. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Um, but we were in line with, and you know, it wasn't until like, uh, I think, like, oh shoot, oh, was that Richard? But you're Henry, yes. <laughs> I remember line, but you know, until I got the sword and we did the big sword fight, you know, that's when I kind of really felt the character. Yeah. Um, you know, because we just don't walk around with swords these days. But back in the, that time, you don't. Everybody had a we sword. We were at a different place downtown. Was not good. Yeah. <laughs> if you said Dirk, it made something completely different. <laughs> Dirk, a, sh- a short sword. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Elevate yourselves. It's also a guy I knew down in Texas, but that's beside the point. Um. <laughs> oh, but now, another thing you might want to consider is where does character development end, such as your choruses? Mm, yes. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh. Because you can have a really enthusiastic cast member mm-hmm. who was cast in a supporting role or basically hatefully known as the extras. They're, nobody is extra. Everybody is needed. Everybody is valued. Super but they create a persona for their character that is completely inappropriate when added to the rest of the cast. Um, we had one example I can think of is a Christmas show with, um, it was called Dickens of a Holiday, and one of the lead actresses who was, uh, excuse me, background actresses, who was supposed to be poor, urchin, little now destitute, with diamond earrings on stage, mm. and she wouldn't change them. You have cast members who are of an age that dress like they are 18. And, but that's my character is I think I am like, yeah, but it looks really crazy. But anyways, discuss. Well, yeah, and I agree. And, and I go back and forth of course, and I've directed many a course myself mm-hmm. and, and I'll sometimes say, you know, if it makes it easier for you to figure out what you're doing in this scene, Imagine some sort of background of the character, but the reality is the chorus uh, needs to work together as an ensemble, which is why they're often called the ensemble these days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in their group as a whole, you're looking to create a um, an effect. Um, for example, I think uh, Wizard of Oz I directed. Gosh, I don't know how long ago now, but we had to go to the Emerald City, and it's like, how do we on our budget? imply the emerald city so i had this idea of something that i stole from a show on broadway i believe it's like you know if i got everybody in their own with you know emerald city outfit shades of green and stuff and i lined them up with their backs to the audience they'll look like the wall to the city oh, it was a very effective. and and so they basically when, when dorothy and toto and the gang all showed up um, they kind of walked into this wall of people who of course come out and start doing the choreography and the singing to the Welcome to Mary Old Land of Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, but I let the co- the actors, in this case, and it was as much probably, frankly, time-saving as, as well as budget-saving, I said, yeah. come up with your own costumes, think wicked. 
Mm -hmm. um, so we were taking the, the old chestnut of the Wizard of Oz and trying to inject a little modern um, thinking into it. Mm -hmm. um, they came up with some wonderful outfits. Oh, this, they were fantastic. Um, uh, you know, on their own because, frankly, Wicked is still pretty big, but it was even, you know, it was, this was more closer to the heyday of Wicked. They got exactly what I meant. Mm -hmm. They acted as a unit. They created that wall. And I, I think it was pretty effective myself as well. Very impressive. Oh, it was, it was wonderful. Nice. And, and as a tangent, I still think the Wizard of Oz should be called Toto, Master of the Universe. Because if you notice, Toto is what causes everything to happen in that play. He runs away. He protects Dorothy. He does all sorts of things that if you take Toto away from the play, things don't really move forward as well. And he sings that great song, Africa. Yes. Toto, Master of the Universe. I would love to retell The Wizard of Oz from Toto's point of view. Maybe you could do a children's show. Or Maybe you could do a children's show. I don't know why I looked at Brian. <laughs> Maybe we could do that. Maybe, I don't know. Is it in, it's probably not in public domain yet. So. Yeah. Wizard of Oz? It must be, though. So many Wizard of Oz things are popular. I, 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 the I'm, MGM I'm, I'm talking the books. Oh. Yeah. The MGM any likenesses from the MGM version that or would, yeah, that would be from problem. Wizard of Oz, Disney, Return to Oz, which I think was a fantastic movie. I actually liked that very well, too. It's too frightening for children. Have you seen Monstro? <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant whale that eats the man. Now, let me ask you gentlemen this. Since we're on the subject of character development and, and uh, that sort of thing. When you, we've all had roles where we've had some very powerful moments uh, on stage, what do you do to to bring? If you have a real, uh, you know, emotional scene where you where you're either angry or you're you're breaking down, crying, what do you do to get to that point? Do you do? Or is it? Are you so into the character at that point that you that you can just draw upon that, or do you draw upon your uh, your own personal some like the method acting like like david said i mean is i never really gave it much thought but i'm gonna say probably just from within mm -hmm. because i don't do i all i know is i do get to know the character well enough that if i go off book or someone else goes off book i can get back to where we were mm -hmm. or at least i can move us along to a point where i know everybody is comfortable Mm -hmm. Like in rumors, mm -hmm. and it's like you throw out one word or mouth a word to somebody else, or they do it to you, and you can continue on. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say probably from within, mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. El de facto. I. El de facto is nodding his head wistfully. <laughs> wistfully. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Okay. I apologize. I was answering an email for my day job. <laughs> oh, <laughs> one thing well. you should never do. Um, so bring so a pencil. I, I, I lost a bit. Phones. I lost a bit of the discussion. Um, but also, oh, it was just a clueless smile. It was a clueless. Smile. <laughs> I was acting. <laughs> John Lithgow has a new series of commercials for for Cresto Soup. I see. That, that. he is absolutely fabulous. In. Yeah, I have not seen those. So it's very it's amazing. Funny. Yeah. So I, back, back to your point, I apologize. Uh, I the, the question was basically, do you go the the method way of generating emotion, or it, does it come within you? Which you could probably say both are valid. Oh yeah, and I guess I would argue just that, by the, that they're just the same. The name. Yeah, I would argue that they, in my mind, they're almost the same. The the method is to find that spot within you that relates to the character, so that you can understand the character better, and then come back to it. Um, if you don't, and and I do not know if that is the method in the classical sense, as uh, Stanislavski or or whoever taught it, mm. but that that's what I call it. It's trying to find your inner emotions, and and those touch points that Ron, when he was here a few minutes ago, talked about. Um, how do I relate to this character and can mm -hmm. I put myself in that character's position? Um, and, and frankly, it doesn't matter how bizarre or wild the character is. Um, I think that if you don't, if you see the character only as I'm here to deliver the jokes, for example, mm -hmm. I don't think the character will redo as well with the audience. I think the audience needs to understand that this character, no matter how zany or wacky or funny, has, has real needs and concerns as well. Which I think we can all relate to 
since we've all been on stage doing tuna and and those characters mm-hmm. are wacky but right. they're they are they're tender but they're very tender yeah exactly they're yeah, very sweet characters as well Bertha, who i love in those series you know i think there's a real pathos to her mm-hmm. um you know here's the, just this poor single well she's not a single yeah she is a single mother but you know she's just trying to do her best mm-hmm. you know trying to do right by her children and her community and and this kind of craziness kind of happens around her um same thing with pearl who's who can't figure out why everyone's going crazy there or um and even um you think i would know all these names um but yeah i mean i i I think you're right all those characters they have even the ones that are just thrown in there for a a quick joke Joke. like uh billy is it billy bob the director of the community theater yes all white production of raisin in the sun (laughs) um you know even even characters like that you know Mm -hmm. you can find some reasoning or the reverend because the reverend's really only on one scene as well yes that's correct i don't know if he was a pepper um but the reference that nobody gets these days because you had to be born you know, before 1980. Uh, <laughs> We're doing a podcast. We're trying to keep up with the times. But let's face it, it's a podcast. It'll be out of date in the, by the time we leave the door. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's just, um, uh, I, I, again, that's my personal feeling. It's all characters. You can find something. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, even in the ensemble and the chorus, as we were talking about a few minutes ago, they can you can find something for your, you know, what's your goal? And your goal may be just to form a wall for the Emerald City. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think you, know, you can find some level of civic pride or something in there, you know. You're, you're part of the biggest, most glorious city in all of Oz. Right. Not everybody can do that. You know, those munchkins, they're out there in the sticks. But, <laughs> you know, we're in one, spending one day in the Emerald City, gosh darn it. That's another Wicked reference. Mm-hmm. I, I really kind of liked Wicked. Hated the book. I Never liked the chapters book. of the book. I wish they would make sense together. Yes. <laughs> I never read the book. I, I, I thought the play fixed all the problems with the book. It had a beginning and an end. I liked that portion. What do you like better, Wizard of Oz or Wicked? Oz. Definitely. Uh they have their own points each. I, I like the concept of the, and spoiler alert for those who have not seen Wicked. Don't do what I did last time. Yeah, so, so you may want, don't, don't go away. Just plug your ears for They made the Wicked Witch nice. Well, not really. Just a spoiler. I like the idea, though, mm-hmm. the witches being political adversaries of the wizard, and that's why they were witches. Um, I mean, they did seem to know a little magic, a talent they've always has possessed. Yeah. Uh, another reference. Hey, let, that could be fun for the audience. You tell us if you get all our references to these little shows or whatever. <laughs> these little shows. These little, little shows. shows. These little shows. These little multi-million dollar productions. You just spent $4,000 to come see this show, but it's just a little, little show. Wait till you see how much we're going to charge you for the t-shirt. <laughs> that in itself is a reference. But the... Um, um, so I would say they're different things. I, I love the Wizard of Oz in general, um, mm-hmm. you know, the whole concept. And what people forget, thanks to the MGM movie, is that Oz was a real place. Mm-hmm. Dorothy went to Oz because later on, Aunt Em and Uncle Henry moved there too. That's, That's right. when they discovered their chicken talks. That's a whole nother book. Um, <laughs> but... Animals are talking Oz. I don't know, but it's... it's Makes a lot of people vegetarians. Um, you know, L. Frank was looking for <laughs> an income. He had to keep, <laughs> yeah, keep these books coming out. Didn't he want to create the Ameri- the Brownie book, series of books? That was know. his... He thought that was going to be the big thing of his writing career, hmm. was an American fairy tale featuring with these brownies. Hmm. I didn't know that. You get the back of your book of Wicked. Okay. Something that always bugs me, and I know we've now suddenly gone into a Wizard of Oz podcast, which, frankly, Mm -hmm. might be more wildly popular. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I'm sure. There's probably only a thousand of them out there Mm. in in the state. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They always forget that the Witch of the North and the Witch of the South are two separate people. And my real problem with Wicked is it doesn't seem to know whether it wants to follow the books 
or if it wants to follow the MGM musical, because it combines elements of the original books and of the, mus of the MGM musical. And I say, pick one or the other, um, in which case, The Witch of the North, who is only seen in the first book and never seen again to my knowledge, um, correct me if I'm wrong, folks, um, you know, she basically says, hey, here's my enchantment. You'll be secure and safe on the yellow brick road. Now go, go do what you need to do. Go play in the street. Go play in the street, <laughs> literally. Um, <laughs> and um, um, so I think there may be something more interesting to deal with if someone's going to do some sort of uh, sequel and stuff. What happened to her? Uh, Isn't that, wait. In the MGM musical, it's Glinda is the Witch of the North. Right. In the the books, Glinda is the Witch of the South. Oh, well, that makes more sense. It sounds like a Southern. The name. Witch of the North is Glinda. There are actually four witches, one for each direction. Um, so if you translate to the, to the Wicked, which really just talks about the three witches, mm -hmm. again, they've forgotten there's a fourth witch out there. Um, or, or the books, and I think that would have been interesting. That the four, you know, were they sisters, friends, whatever? You know, how did the four of them work together to um, fight against Oz? Hmm. Isn't Oz the fourth? No, he's just the wizard. Remember, but I know he's just the wizard to us, the all-seeing, outside influencing the book-reading public. But in the context of the story where he is a charlatan, but everybody thinks he's a wizard, is he a wizard? Because everybody well, to the says he does. To the people of Oz, he is because he arrived so, with this North, marvelous South, air East. contraption. They didn't have air travel. Um, you know, the balloon. So that's it, folks. What do you think? <laughs> And how do you develop a character with your knowledge of Wicked? I don't know. Oh, and tie into the subject, Peter Scolari passed away, who was yes. the yes. wizard on Broadway. Yes. Yeah, I got to see We got to see him, Did Val and Eileen. And oh. Val and Eileen, and uh, yeah, first time we took uh, Val ever, she, all she ever wanted to see was uh, Wiz, one of, one of our kids' moms, and or Wizard, I mean, or Wicked. I don't know, one that one. Wicked. They're all good shows. Yeah, they're all great shows. Um, and I think I saw it with Ben. She... She mm -hmm. Ben Vereen, mm -hmm. now that, but yeah, he quite Peter Scolari was on Broadway, and we got to see him. And I really wasn't even paying attention; I hadn't read the the playbill or anything. I just sat there and waited for the show. And when he showed up, I'm like, "Oh my God, that's Hildy!" Yeah, I did. And, I was like, "That's Hildy." And for you folks who have not been to Broadway, one of the delights is sometimes finding out, "Oh, there's a famous person on stage," mm -hmm. <laughs> because there are famous people on Broadway that are known to. Manhattanites, essentially. Sure. Um, but then there's these other people who either started on Broadway, went to television and movies, and came back, or or, or whatever. Yeah, Stocker Channing. Or they're yeah, or they're changing their mind and they're coming back and doing some other things. Uh, we talked earlier about you know um, I can't remember her name now, but the uh, uh, woman who played Roz on uh, not Roz, who played Frasier's uh, agent, oh. BB. BB. And mm. I can't remember her real name, but you know she was wonderful and. Thoroughly Modern Millie. That was episode uh, three. Gosh, uh, what's-his-face we saw in Toledo, I think, from, um, uh, what's that, in the producers. Mm -hmm. um, he, he was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was one of the captains in Star Trek. His joke uh, was always, oh, yeah. whatever Matthew turns down, I get. Yeah. 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 Well, so you got to see him on stage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that's cool. I'm sure he did better than Matthew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, our listener, one of our listeners... I'm trying to do it. You know, she thinks you were awfully hard on Matthew. Just she wasn't there. Okay. I just want to tell you she wasn't there. I, 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 All right. Someone tell <laughs> me the story because I wasn't here. Oh, someone no, else took my spot. No, you were here for that. That's I was here for that? that he, one, he saw a horrible production with Matthew Broderick. I, I saw a wonderful oh, production with a horrible, horrible performance Matthew of Matthew Broderick. It was Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick. Oh, it the was producers. The, no, no. It was the one, um, uh, It's Only a Play. Oh! Which you said you felt was a little bit dry, the, yes, the script definitely. was. I thought it was funny on, on when I saw it on Broadway, but Matthew Broderick could have been beaten out by a cardboard figure. And really, he okay. was just that bad. So that's what, we were, that's what we were referencing. And episode three, if you haven't listened to episode three, please <laughs> go back and listen to episode three. Time to change the reel. Beep! <laughs> Oh, I've forgotten about that. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I do remember that now. But um, 
I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't have anything against Matthew Broderick. I thought he was wonderful in Lady Hawk. But, um, oh, that's a good throwback. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, kids. It's not 2000s anymore. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, that was just... Don't get me started again. It was okay. Won't get again. <laughs> but that's called content. <laughs> that is called content. But, well, I had to apologize, you know, to let people know that I really did like Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> and I have nothing against Matthew Broderick. I don't care who he married. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm gonna cut that out. Well, I promise. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I, more apologies next you know, episode. We, we could, and we could do a whole episode of apologies, <laughs> um, because you know, yeah. <laughs> But that's how it is. This is a hard-hitting podcast. We're not afraid to name names and, and tell it like it is. And we think that's why you tuned in. And, and I should, why do I say tuned in? Because that's a radio term, but you don't really tune in anymore. That's why you booted up the app. You had to talk to Siri. Siri. Yeah. You talk to Siri about us, don't you? Uh-huh. I know Alexa does. You might not be able to tune in, but once you're listening, you could, you could tune, tune out. out. <laughs> I think we've all tuned out at this point. You know? But character development. Oh, we're back. Oh, there we're back. we are. And we're back because all of those were characters. <laughs> so that works. Because um, we're actors. Um, and we're the progressive been, suit. So are, are there any, any kind of tips or tricks beyond what we've already almost discussed concerning character development. I mean, <laughs> um, do we, we, we've talked about the inner, in the finding the inner character. Mm-hmm. We've talked about costuming. Um, props sometimes help a lot. Makeup. Makeup. Well, depending on the show. Depending on what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. If, if, you know, going, keeping on our Wicked or Wizard of Oz theme. You know, I'm sure that when you're dressed as the cowardly lion, it probably adds a lot. About 20 pounds of sweat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that fake fur. I, I go back to the script. Uh, you can read that script, read it inside and out, read not only your part, read how everybody, everybody's part and how each character interacts with your character and vice versa. Because in the end, if it's a really good script or even a halfway good script, all that information is in there. And that's, that to me is where you find your real solid building blocks. It will also scare everybody on stage that has not done their homework. Mm. And they will have to scramble and start doing their homework. Keep up. And and I want to go back just a little bit about something that happened that we talked about just a little bit ago. Okay. When I mentioned an actor that auditioned for me, but didn't... (laughs) (laughs) I was totally joking. Uh Okay. He says that, but... But this note we love each received, other. We know. <laughs> the note says, "I'm totally not joking about joking." <laughs> that you weren't supposed to share that. Oh, uh, <laughs> you weren't supposed to share that. Sorry. No, and, it, and I understand, Brian. I'm, I'm not offended in this least. Um, did I tell you I've been conflicted anywhere? <laughs> no. Um, it, it's all good fun. Um, I'm honored. To, I'm honored to play the part. I uh, I know the, my competition was quite. Um, more than capable. Um, it was. It was, he was a, a stiff. You know, he was not personally stiff, but he never added. He was that stiff out. competition. He was stiff competition. Yeah, I know. Okay. Um, another actor that I, I highly respect. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that. Yeah. So, who's still with us? <laughs> <laughs> This is like I don't hand. care if anybody else gets these running jokes. I love them. It's like well, the hand jive in here. Under- there, there, there. Hands <laughs> up. Hallelujah. Instant. My understanding is, and, you know, because I'm so with it, <laughs> I'm really hep to these things, is that people tend to binge these episodes. Um, so, That's groovy. So Yeah, it is. So they, they aren't listening to one or two. They're listening. Well, if they haven't turned off in the first 10 seconds of the first episode... Um, they might be with us still and get some of these running jokes right with us. In order to get more so, running so jokes. So let us know, folks, at Monroe Community Players at yahoo.com. Uh, are you with us? <laughs> Should and we stop the running jokes? Do you like the running jokes? Yeah. Here's a fun way to keep up with all of our running jokes. Get a nice bottle of wine and take a sip. Every oh. time we stop, don't, oh, we're going <laughs> to cut that out. Let me face it, you're going to be flat on the floor in about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
here's something fun we can do on our Facebook page. What's that? We will What's that, Dave? post a tally or a poll. These are our five running jokes, or whatever we have. Mm-hmm. Vote for your favorite one. Uh-huh. Is it David's obsession with Daddy Warbucks? Oh. Is it cat? Is it the cat? Meow. <laughs> there, there, look, I did that so perfectly. You did. Even, I don't even have to, don't add, have to the, add the sound effect. I, I actually have added a new one for those who haven't listened yet to uh, episode five. You've added a cat? No, I added a new sound effect. Oh. I went I went Simpsons on us. Oh, did you get Abe? I remember when we used to have like 25 people show up. No. 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 I'll have to go listen. Oh. I hate listening to you. No, but yeah, I almost. March. You, I thought, no. No, that's a good one. I would. And I never thought of that. No. <laughs> that's what I added. Oh. I hate listening to myself. So I never listen to these things once we do them. Yeah, well, I'm somebody. Kidding, I love listening to myself. Somebody has to. Somebody <laughs> listens to some because you know somebody edits it. Somebody edits it. That's still listening. And he does it. a marvelous job yeah. too. You, I mean, I would cut things out if I was doing a good job. You would not believe the amount of burping and flatulence there is in every episode <laughs> that you don't even know about. Yeah, but Ron left. <laughs> <laughs> We love you, Ron. Ron's still with us. <laughs> the one person that actually listens. Yeah, Ron's with us. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. Oh, we're going to hear about that. Oh, yeah. We're, ooh. <laughs> well, the good news is <laughs> um, we're just about out of time once again. Uh, this is called filling, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Not really filling, uh, but we, we're going to probably start to wind it up uh i will be gone for a couple episodes i will be off on assignment myself mm-hmm. um i'm off to egypt which is uh hopefully not a once in a lifetime trip <laughs> um he's still with us folks he's still with us at least at least until that plane takes off um oh, oh my god <laughs> edit no, that out mr. Fun. Uh, mr. you know I'm, I'm leaving two days later <laughs> to go <laughs> yeah but you are either. going to see theater i am going I to go know. see Temples where they probably did kind of theater, but theater as we know it was not invented in ancient ancient Egypt. No, um, your theater that you're going to see probably had blood and altars and stuff. I think so. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope that. But I, I've watched all the, the mummy movies. Scorpion King. Yeah. There you go. I've watched all the mummy movies, so I know what to do and what Excellent. not to do in a tomb. All right. Don't go wandering off by yourself. You might want to catch Don't some Indiana Jones too. Just to- I'm sure. I'm sure that security probably would stop you from touching anything anyway. Yeah. But. I have my Indiana Jones style hat. Nice. I look more like an Australian sheep herder, though. <laughs> but it's waterproof. It's a look. It's, it's, it's a look. It's yeah, a look. And it's, um, and it's waterproof. That's important because there's a lot of water in the desert. Yeah, it doesn't rain over there. Um, but you'll be off to the West End about the same time. I will be off to um, the West End. But my understanding is you'll be here next couple episodes, and then uh, yes, then uh, then we'll all be getting back together. Devote who so many of you enjoyed in episode six and seven we'll be back um and so we'll have uh, you know don't worry the green room groupies have lots of people to pull from oh yes uh, at least five <laughs> <laughs> um so we have depth as they say in uh, baseball see ron's gone but i i did a baseball reference for you ron we miss you ron <laughs> who is ron? With, with us. <coughs> who's ron you know flatulence Mr. Woof Woof. And David's eyes just rolled into the back of his head. <laughs> oh, it was pretty strong. <laughs> we need oh, a cough button. Oh, Ron. We're so sorry. I, I don't think we are. <laughs> no, we're not. I'm totally not sorry, no. Brian Burchett. But, but once again, <laughs> I'd like to thank each of you for listening. Uh, we often... Uh, like say, uh, we appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in or whatever we call it, uh, you know, listening to our podcast, listening, giving us some of your precious life minutes that you will never get back. <laughs> but but we hope you we see you again. Uh, not see you. I hope that you tune in next time. You know, give us an email at uh, Monero Community Players at yahoo.com. Visit our website at MoneroCommunityPlayers.org. And that's important. It's .org. We are the Monero Community Players in Monroe, Michigan. Um, I think there may be others out there in other states. Um, Monroe was a very was a very popular president to name towns after. Mm-hmm. At least in Monroe's time. Um, 
And uh, check out that new Facebook page uh, at Monroe Community Players Podcast when you have a chance. We might actually have some content up by the time you're hearing this. You might be able to put some faces to the name. Yes. No one said anything about Don't, facial recognition. Yeah, do not be terribly disappointed. Um, because as, as Ron pointed out, be. none of us look like Cary Grant. <laughs> that man was a case. I, I look like his butler, I think. A little. Maybe there's a little bit of Brendan Fraser in me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there goes all that water that Brian was drinking <laughs> over the... <coughs> Um, so anyway, we um, love. Let us know Brendan what, if Fraser or Mummy. Well, that's Brendan why I was Frazier. thinking of Mummies was Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser's Mummies. I know, but Robot Man, Brendan. I don't know Robot don't know Man Robot from Brendan. the Doom Patrol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they figured it out. Um, mm. it'd be Mummy movie. Mummy movie. Definitely not a, from a Gods and Monsters. Brendan Fraser. Oh, I'd forgotten. We'll talk about that another time. I got my time. I'm saying more a little George of the Jungle, Brendan Fraser. There we go. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm, why school ties? We all watch a lot of Brendan Fraser, apparently. So he's a nice guy. He's a he's a good guy. He's, he's a good actor. He's a good actor. Yeah, he's very good. On his life. Yeah. He, who actually Brendan Fraser was in the TV movie version of Twilight of the Golds. I did not. Was know he? That. Yes, he was. He played David Gold. Who, if there's anybody out there that wants to play David Gold, let me know. That's right. You still need a actor or actress at this time, don't you? At oh. the time of at the time of uh, uh, recording, recording it, yes. I don't know. By the time it com- goes up, I'm really hoping we have one. Yep. Yeah. Maybe I should call Brendan yeah. Fraser. Might as well. He's mm-hmm. probably not doing anything. I don't know what he's doing. Right Wonder now. if he'd bring his robot body from high atop the Benish Building in beautiful downtown Monroe <laughs> at the. Uh, Monroe Community Players. This has been a production of Monroe Community Players at the Impact Studios from beautiful downtown Monroe, Michigan, which is not the home of Brendan Fraser. <laughs>